the voice of the Blue Bombers one-on-one with Mike O'Shea. The Pro-Line Gold Bomber Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. Coach Show brought to you by Procero Pro Fungicide from Bayer, your best defense against serial disease. The head coach, Mike O'Shea, with us uh, Thursday. The Bombers falling 30-6 to to the BC Lions. Want all your texts and your calls, 204-780-6868. And you can hit me up at DT on OB on Twitter uh, with your questions for the head coach. Uh, coach, how was your weekend? Weekend. Yeah, it was. You played Thursday. It's a thing that normal people have in their schedule. Yeah. It's it's always a yeah. No, How were your days? Between it was good. The, the players had uh, a little bit extra time. Uh, they were in the other day lifting hard as a team, and um, the coaches, you know, um, had a little bit extra time too, which is needed, right? You don't get a break after training camp. We went right into it, so this was uh, this was pretty good, and, and hopefully the guys are are well rested. You don't. Uh, Say in my time, you guys don't lose football games very often. What's the feeling afterward? Is it is it dramatically different than a win? Because guys talk about, uh, it's week to week, and we want to go. Yeah, one it's, I mean, it stinks at the time, and I'm sure they've moved on. You know, we'll find out tomorrow morning when we start our meetings. Yeah, yeah, they have to move on, right? They've got to get going on on Montreal. Guys are some guys are in already today watching and getting ready. Montreal is a to me a surprise two and zero, but things are going well for them so far. It's a is is I don't know if you get into thinking about how the CFL season will go. Is the CFL season the way through three weeks anything like you thought it would? Because I'm yeah, confused at what's I've happening. I've learned a long time ago never to try and figure that out. I don't <laughs> spend a lot of time doing that. Um, yeah, Montreal looks good. They're they're flying around playing a, a very physical brand of football. Uh, Cody seems to be getting rid of the ball very quickly, uh, and he's on target. He's he's doing well. So. Um, a lot of people obviously didn't didn't like him last year, but he seems to be doing fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been a big Fajardo fan since he he broke out at nineteen, and things going well for the Alouettes, who the Bombers will play on Saturday, Canada Day in Montreal. Of course, to be live with us right here on six eighty CJOB two zero four seven zero sixty eight sixty eight for your calls and texts. Alvin from Calgary is with you. Says uh, a tough loss, but like Joe Farragelli said, "quote Sometimes you eat the bear, sometimes the bear eats you." I don't know where Joe Farragelli went out to eat, but that's uh, that's a new one by me. Uh, Maven brought up, but was Dietrich Nichols nicked during the game? It looked like Reddick Cramdy saw more action than usual. Cramdy w- came yeah. in for Alden Darby at one point yeah. late in the game, or late, later in the game, excuse me. Yeah, we I think we we rolled some substitution there throughout the the second half. Yeah. Yeah. When when it comes to that, uh, Zach came out of the game at one point, and Drew Brown came in. What What goes into that decision? Well, you just try to avoid some some more pressure, more hits, take more hits off of uh, off of Zach, and and more importantly, let let Drew go in there and work and and get him some valuable reps. Right, those reps are very hard to come by. Uh, you play a lot of games, although lately you wouldn't know it in the CFL, but you play a lot of games right down to the wire, um, and that's typically CFL football how exciting the last three minutes are. So um, you don't often get a chance to to get valuable reps to another quarterback. And and this was an important time for him. What did you make of uh, Zach was sacked seven times. We talked about it in the postgame show. The first time in his bombers career, he was sacked more than five times in a single game. What have you, what have you seen? What, what leads to that? What, what makes that the case? Yeah, that's, that's the same answer I gave after the game. It's, 
you know, it's a question I used to get asked a long time ago, 10, 9, 8 years ago. And the, the truth is, uh, with, with any sack, there's 12 guys on the offense on the field, and there's, there's always a, a number of reasons, right? Something, and I think um, if you're just a, a casual fan, I'm not slighting that at all, but if you're just a casual fan, you might not understand that the, if a receiver runs the route at the wrong depth, it's either and both too short or too long could be an issue, right? Yep. Too short and he's not on the read yet, too long and he's past the read, <laughs> right? So um, so there's a variety of reasons. I just, I just picked that one just to discuss one possible reason, right? So it's 12-man football. Uh, it's the greatest team sport going, and, and any, any sort of stats can be attributed offensively, defensively, whatever you want. All sort of stats can be attributed to a whole pile of 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 players and and situations and and reasons good and bad like i said and to give bc credit matthew betts and david menard are no joke those guys are very good at what they do yeah they've been getting it done for a bit menard's been in the league for quite some time and he's always productive uh he's tenacious and uh, matthew betts has got uh, a a great motor also and um highly skilled and, and they just they they were on yeah it uh, it went BC's way on uh, Thursday. Let's uh, go to the phone lines. We'll welcome in Gary on line number one. Gary, thanks for your call. Your question for the head coach, Mike O'Shea. Uh, I just wanted to know uh, what he thought of uh, Alexander's game. Our safety. Brandon yeah. Alexander. Brandon, yes. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's pretty safe to say that as an entire team, we needed to play better. As a coaching staff, we needed to do more. And as a group of players they needed to play better across the board I don't you're not gonna find me singling out anybody in terms of their level of play I mean Brandon Alexander is a a pretty feared guy back there right so um, and and he's not always lining up in the middle I know he's labeled free safety but he plays uh, a lot of times he plays at different levels and depths and sides so depending on the defensive call. So um, he's he's a guy that's absolutely vital to our defense. Sound good, Gary? Yep, that's fine. All right, Gary, thank you for your call. Appreciate to be with us on the Coaches Show on 680. CJOB, let's go to a line number two. We'll welcome in Lloyd. Lloyd, thank you for your call. Your question for the head coach, Mike O'Shea. Yes, I was at the game on Saturday, and uh, – we knew that BC had a good team. I wasn't surprised that we might have lost, but it was the way we lost. Uh, I have not seen our offense as anemic in this, as it has been in this game. The turning point came near the end of the second quarter when we couldn't get a touchdown when we moved the ball down, and they come back and score uh, within, what, a minute or so to go. That must have been disheartening. 49 seconds. <laughs> yes, uh, but um, I think we need an outside running game. Uh, Oliveira is fine inside, but all other teams in the CFL pretty well have a fast running back to go to break out to the outside. Uh, is there any hope of us getting something like that, or are we stuck with the situation the way it is? Um, our offense in the second half was uh, was anemic. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty easy to say. We didn't score any points in the second half. So, um, In terms of the outside running game, it's interesting Brady, Oliveira, Johnny, Augustine, uh, 
they can all run outside also. Um, it really depends on on what the other team's alignment is and you know what they're what they're trying to take away if if they want to funnel the ball inside and and sort of load up the edges and make it difficult to run outside and push to keep the ball inside that's that's what they'll do and we'll have to adapt to that it doesn't really make any sense to keep you know banging your head against the wall trying to get the ball outside if they're stacked outside or inside for that matter if they're loaded up inside with a five-man front. So um, I I know that our offense does a, a fantastic job of making sure we're in the right call uh, given the defensive structure. Well, and, and Lloyd, you've seen, the, you've seen a fair bit of the outside run game so far this season, right? The little flip they do to Oliveira. Gosh, Rashid Bailey had a run play in this game. They run with Nick Dembski on those jet sweeps and stuff like that. They've, they've had a fair bit of that, no? Well, uh, the... Uh, I watch the the other CFL games, and most of the others have a very fast back who can go inside or outside. Well, maybe it doesn't work with our ratio. The other thing is Montreal has a very good pass rush as well. I was surprised that we couldn't make any uh, adaptations uh, at, sec- at the second half in order to stop all that outside rush. What was the problem there? Were we not able to, or were we just being physically manhandled? As I said before, they and as Derek talked about, they they've got some very good edge rushers, and um, you know they 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 had their day, and and we didn't, but it's not always on the on the man blocking the edge rusher, right? There's there's a whole bunch of guys out there that are required to do their job at the right time, uh, to make a play work. So Montreal has a ferocious pass rush, as we know. So uh, wish you the best in Montreal. I'm not that discouraged. I knew that we had to lose at some point, but the way we lost was uh, was quite surprising. Lloyd, thank you for your call. Appreciate you being with us on the Coaches Show here on 680 CJOB 204-780-6868. For your texts and calls, we'll uh, we'll also talk. Well, of course, about the game, we'll talk about Montreal, but we'll talk about the man going to the Blue Bombers Hall of Fame as well, Justin Medlock, as Coach O'Shea told a terrific story to me earlier today. We'll we'll have him retell that one as we continue right here on 680 CJOB. The Pro-Line Gold Bomber Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. Coach Show brought to you by Procero Pro Fungicide from Bayer, your canola crop's best defense against cereal disease. 204-780-6868 as we talk with the head coach, Mike O'Shea, who I hope will not uh, be bothered by the fact I'm about to put my contact lens back in my eyeball. I apologize for this, but it's been bothering me for 15 minutes or so that uh, I've been walking around and now it's on my fingertip. Yeah, you you go for it. Here, I'll <laughs> run the show here while you uh, stick that finger in your eye. I. Uh, the um, I just want to ask you, and uh, again, fire in some calls, but so many interesting things happened in the CFL this week, and you and I spoke a little bit about it earlier. Uh, but you're you're a special teams guy, and you know the rules better than we do as fans. We all kind of learned that from the Saskatchewan-Calgary game this week that you have to be inbounds after you touch a loose ball. Amari Henderson, what Calgary fumbled the ball, Amari Henderson of Sask whaps it out of bounds. We all thought, oh, hey, Saskatchewan has the ball. That's great. Turns out you have to be in bounds both before and after. And I think we all, a bunch of us, at least people I know on social media, learned that to be a rule in the CFL now. Yeah. So on a loose ball, uh, there is a last touch rule. So you can be the guy who taps it out. But um, the rule is 
sort of written where you or the ball have to end up in bounds. So if I tap it out, I have to be in bounds while I tap it out. Okay. Um, or if I'm going to land out of bounds, I have to tap the ball back in to the field of play. So it is a uh, just a part of the, the the slight nuance of the last touch rule is you or the ball have to end up in bounds. So your guys well know that, hey, if this ball's loose and you're going after it, I mean, do I, I, how, how do you teach them? Like, you Yeah, we run a drill f- on the sideline where we roll balls along the sideline and they tap it out and they have to keep their feet in bounds when they do it. Okay. And, you know, in those instances where you're really laying out for a football, whatever happens, happens. Let the, let the command center figure it out. But you're going to go for it and try and tap it out. You're not going to just let it go to ground out of bounds and say, well, I, I was going to be my feet were going to be off the ground, so I didn't want to touch it. No, you go, go get it and let the, let the command center figure it out after. Yeah. It's, I, I always find that part fun because I think the game is one way. I, I just think of guys jumping. I never considered where their feet lands like a reception. I guess mm-hmm. it has to be right. You have to yep. be inbounds when you jump and you have to be in bounds at least a bit when you land. I never considered that, but it, I mean, we had three or four times last year, I learned a new rule in a bomber game of there was uh, the Terry Williams stood on the sideline and mm-hmm. fielded a kickoff. And we went, well, you, you can do it. I thought that was banned. I thought that was illegal participation, but here we are. Yeah, that's, a brutal, a, great that's game. a brutal rule. That should be. <laughs> I know. Our, our, Paul Boudreaux, our sessions coordinator, loves that rule, and I'm like, that's just doesn't make any sense. Did you did you in any way try to make have that not be a rule for 2023? Yeah. 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 <laughs> what what? Why don't you like it? What's well in every other aspect of the game? It's illegal participation. So I don't just don't understand how I'm going to establish myself out of bounds, and then reach back in and touch a ball. It's illegal participation. So, you know, if doesn't, yeah, doesn't if, make sense to me. If that, I true. don't know. The, the biggest, the biggest question I had with the CFL was the root of the rule. Like historically, when was this made? How was it decided upon? And give me the details behind it. But a lot of these rules, you can't find that. Right. And as time goes on and you lose Wally Buono or, you lose Huff off the rules committee. You lose a lot of that historical insight, which I think is so valuable. Um, so, uh, actually, I'm still waiting on an answer on the historical. Oh, <laughs> really? Facts. Yeah, yeah someone, I think I asked years ago. <laughs> someone has to dig that up and go yeah, back and, and find there's it. There's no files like that, I don't think. So, but it's, it's uh, yeah. No one's yet to explain to me why it makes sense. Uh, 204-780-6868 as we talk about the Bombers uh, falling to 2-1 and one and ahead of their game against Montreal. Andy is on the text line, says, Coach O'Shea, will there be any changes to the Bombers' secondary this week? Uh, not sure yet. That sounds like a day four question. <laughs> Did we do a radio show on day four? We could, if you're up for it. Yeah, it sounds like a day four question. All right. Uh, yeah. a- Andy at DT on OB will tell you what we uh, we see at practice. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Andy also wants to know, will the Bombers be bringing in a veteran defensive end? We we have one. Jackson Jeffcoat. Yeah, I think he's one of the best in the league. Absolutely. So we're excited for when he is able to return. Will that be tomorrow or will that be day four? That sounds like a day four question. That sounds like a day four. Let's hope Rob does not have any day four questions as he calls us on the phone line. Rob, thank you for your call, sir. Uh, Your question for the head coach. Well, coach, first of all, um, 
I want to know, do you have any update at all? I've heard various rumors on whether Lawler will be coming back or not. Yet, no update yet. Oh, gosh. Okay. And, yes, I was going to ask about uh, Jeffcoat, but did you? why didn't you consider putting Pigram in? Uh, they stopped uh, the run with Brown, and with Pigram, he is one hell of a scrambler. And that might have been a perfect time to see what he can do under adversity. Why didn't you decide to put him in? Uh, I, once again, I think those are valuable reps for our number two, right? For Drew Brown is gonna is gonna take snaps whenever we can get him for him, right? So that once again, as I said earlier in the show, those are very valuable reps for Drew, and and hence not just the score, but the reason why we went for it on third down a few times was to just give him more reps, treat it like any other down, first or second, and and say, okay, we're whatever the outcome is is irrelevant at that moment we just want to see him run that rep yeah. our last play our player who was off for personal reasons i can't remember the name demario houston is he ready to come back yeah he should be okay hopefully yeah. and uh there's a good friend of mine uh, she figures well bc is it uh, she says the bomber's getting long in the tooth i'm going to stand by my blue bombers and uh hopefully this is a blip and hopefully you'll kick ass on <laughs> August 3rd. There you go. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Rob. Straighten up that friend of yours. Come on, long in the tooth. That's That seems harsh. It is 726. We continue with the head coach, Mike O'Shea. Your texts and your calls at 204-780-6868. The Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. The Pro-Line Gold Bomber Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. Coach's show brought to you by Procero Pro Fungicide from Bayer, your canola crop's best defense against cereal disease. 204-780-6868 for your calls and texts for the head coach, Mike O'Shea, ahead of Saturday's game, Canada Day in Montreal. Do you like Montreal as a visiting city? I'm assuming you've been there now dozens on dozens of times. Yeah, absolutely. It's obviously a very interesting part of Canada. You know, it's a... Oh, the adjectives are failing me. I, <laughs> I yearn for an adjective right now. No, well, what's it's a, a great city. I mean, the the fact is, though, you're there for business, right? So you're not, you can't really take it in as a player. You know, we we didn't spend a lot of time roaming around Montreal the day before the game. Now, fortunately for us, we didn't. Nobody chartered, right? So you stayed overnight in Montreal, and then you were able to, you know, hang out with your teammates and have a have a beer and have a good time. Yeah. But, um, Nowadays, you're you're in and out very quickly, and you're there for business. So, it's a little different for the coaches, you know. Yeah. You don't, don't have to save your legs, let's say. So, going for a nice walk in Montreal is always nice down by the waterfront and everything. Yeah. Do you, do you take the uphill walk to the stadium? Do you? I do. It's it's so nice. Well, it's yeah. so nice. Yeah. Yeah. City. All right. Uh, Monique is on the text line. She says, "Hi, coach. Any ears perked at the news of Dakota Prukop being released? He was playing in the states. Your third string quarterback from last season. Yeah, we." We heard that. We'll see where he ends up. All right. Uh, Carl is on the uh, text line. He says, uh, when will Jackson and Hanson be back? Willie needs help, says Carl. Uh, Tiedrick is a ways away. Jackson's making pretty good progress. So They're both, you know the drill. They're both working very hard trying <laughs> to get back. Nobody wants to be injured. 
Yeah. Nobody, they hate it. Like it is purgatory, right? They, they, unfortunately, a lot of guys feel like they're not part of the team anymore and that's just terrible. Right. So they, they just can't wait to get back. Yeah. Cause that, that six game injured list, you can't practice. You can't. Yep. They, they, they do everything they can to make sure they're back as quickly as possible. James is on the text line. looks like James wants a little havoc in the game. He says, please ask the coach what factors go into deciding when it is appropriate to call a punt fake or a run on a field goal attempt. He says, the trick plays are almost non-existent. I'm a season ticket holder and would love to see some excitement. James, they scored 43 and a half points in the first games. But what what goes into when it's appropriate to call a punt fake or a run on a field goal attempt? Uh, flow game, defensive alignment. Um, you know, whether or not they they give you any opportunity. It's not just about running an offensive play. You know, they have to, like offensive plays, you have to ha- gain an advantage somewhere. Like you design the play to gain an advantage, and it's not as easy on a special teams play. So you will have something designed. You might call it. Will you? Is it possible you call it, this isn't the look we want, we're yep. bailing out of this? Yeah. I mean, it's, once again, it's highly coordinated, right? So I don't know when the last time is we've we've actually ever run one. But a lot of that is need-based too, right? Like if you wait till you absolutely need it, then the other team is prepared. Yeah. If you do it when you don't need it, you could turn the tide of the game on a stop, right? So, um yeah, a lot goes into the thought process behind it. A lot goes into actual the plays that teams would run, the amount of times they practice them. Uh, you know, I think in Toronto we we practiced a play nine weeks in a row before it ever got used. Hmm. On especially that's using a lot of time. If you're only given a five minute period to run, to you know, special teams a lot of times on other teams is not afforded a lot of time. So if you're using that to practice a play that you never run, it doesn't really. You're not using your time wisely. It's not efficient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there any kind of, uh, James would like any kind of chaos button where you just, you can just press it and then just, you know what, Buck, just go off the rim. Just go out there. Richie, just do something kooky. Let's spice yeah, this I up. Yeah, I think that was last game, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Is James pressing the chaos button the entire time? It very well could have been, yeah. yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Uh, BC was uh, was an interesting one. Um Brady Oliveira in that game, he was doubtful in practice in the week leading up to it. He was a game time decision. And then he immediately went out there and started sledgehammering defenders. Were you, were you, were you surprised by that? Were you in any way caught up? Because as, as fans, we're like, is he going to be able to play? And is he going to be able to do what he loves to do on the field, which is hammer dudes? Yeah. It's, it's called game time decision for that reason. You know, you, you, Consult Al, you know, talk to Al, you talk to the doctors, the player has a lot of input on this, and then you give them as much time as possible for them to feel as as good as they possibly can. No one's 100% right now. You know, once training camp starts, nobody's 100%. They feel great up until, you know, day A of training camp, and then day one hits and nobody's 100% anymore. So... Um, I like the way he plays, and I'm I'm happy for him that he was able to strap it on and dole out some punishment, you know. But wait, that's just the way we treat everybody is you you let them you, – you afford them as much time as they possibly need. 
Yeah. Yep. 204-780-6868 for your text and your calls for the head coach, Mike O'Shea. Uh, text on the line, Bob says, any sense of whether the poor weather conditions, he in parentheses, smoke will impact the ability of playing Saturday in Montreal? Yeah, I heard it's smoky in Ontario. I haven't heard the reports from Montreal yet, but uh, yeah, depends on the wind, I guess. You know, there's fires in, well, there's fires across Canada. You know, it's unfortunate. It's some of the worst forest fire seasons we've had in decades. So it's uh, it's tough for a lot of people all across all across the nation. You know, playing football is interesting. It's a game. So you know, when it comes to talk of being able to play a game because of smoke, um, you know, you start thinking more about the families that are displaced and the things that are being lost. I know it's just items, but, you know, somebody pours their heart and soul into owning a home, you know, and then it's gone. It's, uh, we're talking about a football game. Yeah. Yeah. What would go into that decision? I, I assume it's like weather. Like, Air quality, I don't know. It's it, the, It's a certain level and there's... You're not supposed to play. The league would have the league yeah. is in command of all. Yeah, the- they they have a, you know, there's a, a set number. If you hit that number, you have to, uh, I guess, suspend the kickoff and then make a decision whether it's going to clear enough in time to get a game underway or not. There there really are no really great provisions for replaying a game or waiting a day. You know, it just doesn't. There's nothing. There's nothing easy. Or good about that, yeah. It it would in uh, 2019 the the Riders and the Stamps had a preseason game in which you couldn't see three blocks downtown, and they we were all trying to figure out what how what's going to happen if they have to postpone this game because it is not healthy to be outside, and no one seemed to come up with a real good answer for what you would do in that circumstance. It's much less a regular season game when you pretty much have to play the following Friday, yeah, regardless. Yeah, we're on a short week to uh, with Calgary the following week, and I, I don't know what Montreal has, but yeah, it's not. There's nothing. There's nothing easy for the for the CFL when it comes to that, let alone the two teams playing. Yeah, uh, let alone the folks in Montreal, or like you said, the people displaced by just an awful. See, it feels like an awful spring and summer for uh, for forest fires in our fair country. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight for your uh, questions and calls for the head coach. Mike O'Shea, uh, we'll talk about Justin Medlock going into the Blue Bomber Hall of Fame on the other side of the break. I would say the greatest kicker in the history of the CFL. What would the head coach say? We'll hear next. Coaches Show 680 CJOB. The Pro-Line Gold Bomber Coaches Show on 680 CJOB. Coaches Show brought to you by Procero Profundicide from Bayer, your best defense against serial disease. 204-780-6868 for your texts and calls for the head coach, Mike O'Shea. The Bombers making news early this morning that they have a new inductee to the Blue Bomber Hall of Fame, and it will be kicker Justin Medlock. Please, if you would, coach, any Justin Medlock memories that you have? Yeah, a bunch. He's really good. (laughs) So, uh... We were together in Toronto for a short time. I, I can't even remember exactly the year, but anyway, he was meticulous then, you know, very exacting, um, pretty de- demanding, you know, in terms of how things should go and how how excellent people should be. 
And uh, I think over time, he's he really raised the bar in terms of special teams operation. And therefore, you know, the percentages just increased. I mean, he's not the only one. But I, I really think, you know, the kickers I was around from playing and, and, um, and then coaching, he was just one of those guys that I think had a hand in changing – changing the game in terms of, you know, the expectation of how good it should be, mm-hmm. which is, I think that's really cool. You know? Yeah. Do you, do you have an ex- story? You said exacting. Yeah. Do you have a, yeah. a story? Well, I, I told the one earlier today with you, but I'll say it again that, you know, you've, you got a post-practice basically session where Weston Dressler, who's just run all these routes in practice or whatever is now going to hold for Justin and Justin's going to basically, from a very short distance, throw and roll bad snaps to him, uh, like over a hundred of them. <laughs> so Weston's fingers are basically bleeding, picking up these footballs and pinning them. And you know, and he's like, "Okay, only ten more, only ten more, only ten more, just in case, just in case." Uh, Rempel had one snap that might might have been off, which there never really was, but they were prepared if it happened. Uh, and I just, it was interesting. And then as I went on with the story, Weston Dressler, who's excellent in his own right, uh, you know, one of the best receivers in the history of the CFL, um, just crouched on one knee, picking up 100 footballs off the dirt right in front of him and pinning them. And just, yep, yeah, okay, this is what it's going to take. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> so, one, one jams his ring finger, one hits him in the hip, like just, no, nope, we got to do this. Yeah. It. And I, when you told that story, I just thought it, it must be nice uh, when guys like that find each other, guys who are so exactly like this guy. Yeah, Manny play. was a driving force for it. Manny yeah. was a driving force. I mean, Weston was very sure-handed. He was not worried about picking up any football and, and pinning it correctly, but he was certainly willing to go along and and do whatever was going to allow our kicker to feel comfortable that, yeah. that they were going to be spot on if there was a – a snap that went a little bit awry, right? Unfortunately, as try as they might, the kicker sees a bit of that, right? They try not to. Uh, I would think they would try hard not to see the snap be off a little bit, but they can't help it right at the end because it's not the normal. It's not, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It's like, oh, what? You know, so they <laughs> see it. So as much as anything, you know, you need the holder needs to be as quick with the sort of the recapture of the form, Again, and the kicker needs to put it out of his head and add that brief pause in before he kicks the ball, which isn't normally there in a regular session, right? Mm-hmm. So he worked He worked at everything, and he had all the other special teams operations guys working their craft too, and he would audition snappers right through the year. He had a backup snapper. He had the third string. He, like He had these guys all tuned up. He'd grab young guys that were showing an interest, and he would then fire them balls hundred at a time after practice and say, okay. No yeah. And then he would either invite them back or not. Yeah. Uh, I will, until I see another one, I will profess the greatest kicker in the history of the CFL. Uh, agree, disagree. Tell me if I'm too far off, but I, I'll, I can go into a zillion reasons why, but yeah, I, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. He, you know, he, he kicked for a variety of teams. He kicked in Hamilton, which is a, sometimes a very rough place to kick. I, I think, you know, as I was driving in here, I was thinking about it. And Sandro DeAngelis left Calgary for 
for some reason. Like a guy like Elam never leaves Denver, right? Like you yeah. want to kick in elevation all the time. And Sandro DeAnne just leaves, went to Hamilton. Didn't really work out for him. I don't know how much he played after that. I can't remember, sort of lost track of that. But Medlock kicked in a variety of places always very well. And... <laughs> and always raised the level of guys around him. And then when he got here, you know, we worked him into basically being a three-way guy and he perfected the punting craft and sort of um, gave us very coverable footballs uh, for the for the punt cover team, um, added a bunch of different kicks to his quiver, uh, ran down and, and knocked a ball out of bounds in Ottawa to basically help us win the game on a punt that was rolling around the three-yard line and the returner unaware that Medlock was trucking downfield. And it's not like he was a fast guy, but he hustled down and basically made a play that would have been one of the plays of the year, really, like in terms yeah. of just the individual effort and the understanding and the execution to get it done was fantastic. I mean, he was, yeah, he was, he was excellence. I think that's he, an easy way to put it. The the two numbers I keep coming back to is he had in his career playoffs combined uh, playoffs as well he had sixty three attempts of fifty plus yards the second most in that time is about half that many Renee Paredes and you go okay well you're one of his coaches he got treated differently from fifty plus than every other kicker in the CFL which yeah I think there anybody that coached him was quite willing to put him out there over fifty he made you feel very comfortable yeah. You saw the work he put in throughout the week. You saw him hit from long distance through the week. He certainly didn't shy away from that in practice. He would put himself in tough situations. And, um, you know, I think at a certain point, I don't know when it would be for him, that's a great question for him, but at a certain point he he mastered the mental side of the game, which just allowed him to to keep reaching new heights. Yeah, That's a great question for him, though, when, because I always felt that he was um, certainly – made every coach feel at ease that he was just going to go out there and stroke it. Yeah. And then uh, from 30 to 39, he hit 96% of those in his career. The next best kicker in the league uh, was 89%. Paul McCallum hit almost 90% from 30 to 39. Medlock was head and shoulders ahead of the second best guy yeah. in that range, it's, which is... That's, that's a that's a huge difference in percentage. Yeah. Huge. And then, oh, by the way, he never missed converts. They moved the convert back. He He missed... Well, he made 19 more converts than an average kicker would have. And you go, all oh, those are little points in yeah. his favor. And well, and um, we got about a minute left. You you tried him from 61 in the playoffs, and yeah. you have zero regrets about that. Well, I, I, I don't like losing, you know. And I think there was some other things we could have done prior to that kick. But, you know, he, he would make from 61 in practice. Yeah. So you, you know it. And your gut just says at that moment in time, we've got the best kicker in the league by far. So do we go for it on third down and possibly not have a chance? Or, you know, my thinking was he gives us a chance right now to, to seal the game or win the game or tie the game, whatever the score was. I can't remember. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you, you always felt good with, with Medlock. Yeah. Justin will join the gang on the start tomorrow morning. He'll be inducted into the Blue Bomber Hall of Fame uh, the night before the final regular season game at home. Uh, it will be great to to see him again and hear how things are. And 
Justin, why did you ever leave me? It will be the question I get to uh, to ask him. Very excited uh, about that. Bombers in Montreal, Canada Day game. You'll hear it live here on 680 CGOB. Of course, stick with us at DT on OB. We'll have all your updates from practice, uh, the coaches show, our morning sports run with Cam, the afternoon with Christian Amel. Your home of the Bombers right here at 680 CGOB. Mike, thank you. We'll see you next week. Coaches show on 680 CGOB.